I have always lived in a world in which I am just a spot in history. My life is not the important point. I'm just part of the continuum. And that continuum, to me, is a marvelous thing. Sherry S. Tepper. Bending Not Breaking, Season 4, Episode 1. Welcome to Republic City. And welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. And this is Ben Pruitt. And we are excited, so excited. It's a new season. It's a brand new season. This is the first one. And we are diving in to Legend of Korra. I've been waiting for this. Book one. It's so good. We've watched a lot of Korra now to, to prep for this. So and, much Korra. And y'all, this is this might be a divisive statement, but it's really good. It's so it good. It's so good. <laughs> and so I'm excited to, to chat about that. And I'm excited for this episode because this episode specifically, we've got a pretty awesome guest with us. Ben, we who sure do we do. have with us today? Y'all, I'm so excited. We have... Andrew Slack joining us today, and this is a the the co-founder of Harry Potter Alliance. We have uh, he's like a comedian, a performer by nature. He has co-authored a children's book called Save Santa's Home. He is just all around super cool, and so I want to just invite him and welcome him and say thank you for joining us, Andrew. Thank you for being here. How are you today? I'm doing well, and it's so it's I'm I'm so excited to be with you both. So uh, thanks for having me. Of course, yes. Well, it means so much that you're spending time with us and taking time out of your busy day to, to be here with us and to to talk about the legend of Korra, which I it's it's the it's the underrated, probably becoming more like it's gotten some respect on its name over the years. Yeah, when it first came out, um, people were very like fifty fifty on it, hot and cold, <laughs> right? So, um, and I think that hopefully time has only proved that it's still like pretty solid in what it is absolutely and in some ways i like it better than avatar the last airbender this is true in some ways i like avatar but guess what here's the thing we get to coexist with those feelings and it's okay to just like both of them i agree so we're gonna dive into this first episode a lot of setup a lot of exposition but we're gonna do it through a specific lens of continuity that's right and i only know that word as in like they put an orange soda down on the set, and then a grape soda was there in the next shot, and it's a continuity error. That's like the only context I have for continuity. John Mayer album. That's a, it's also a John Mayer album. Actually, it's Continuum. Yeah. But anyway, Andrew, so you kind of uh, prepared us with by, ch by choosing this lens, and we kind of discussed it, but can you just give us why did you choose continuity like what what were you thinking what were the points you were thinking about when you chose continuity what does continuity mean to you oh boy well there's i mean first of all this is the first episode that you all are exploring cora um and as a handoff from from your deep dive explorations into uh into the world of avatar so it just felt like well why don't we talk about that transition uh you know because we're you're, you're, you all are engaging in a in a uh a process of continuity right now and so much of the series itself is grounded in in continuity there's you know, the opening lines of uh of this first episode we have tenzin uh talking and um 
he says that uh, that what, what I'm just looking here. He says that Avatar Ang accomplished many remarkable things in his life, mm. but sadly, ha- sadly, his time in this world came to an end. And like the cycle of the seasons, the cycle of the Avatar began anew. When we look at the the earlier uh, the earlier the, the earlier series, uh, we we have similar quotes around you know searching for the Avatar, and some people believe that the Avatar was never reborn into the air nomads, and that the cycle is broken. But I haven't lost hope. I still believe yeah. that somehow the Avatar will return to save the world. So there is a common common theme here around new seasons, around cycles continuing, and so the the show invites us into that right away understanding that this moment in the present that we're exploring with Kura is very much grounded in the past. Yes, there's so I'm so excited to dive into this conversation. I'm there's so much there and you've already lifted up several points that I, I really want to talk about. But before we do that, Sunshine's going to give us the 30 second ben, recap. It is not nice to start our brand new season with your Filthy lies, and so Sunshine's it is your gonna turn. Give us Thirty seconds. I did on the, the clock. opening quote, which means it is your turn to do the recap. And Who this says is something that, that we've done <laughs> for three seasons. I don't believe in this kind of continuity. We're going to continue this continuity from from previous seasons, and you are going to give us a thirty-second recap. Sunshine, you have thirty seconds on, on your the mark. Clock. Get set, go. Oh, God. Okay, so Tenzin gives us the rundown, and then the White Lotus finds super cute baby Korra, and then Korra's like, oh, my God, 17, and Master's firebending, and then Naga and Korra go for a stroll, and then Tenzin shows up with the fam, and there's like, oh, my God, airbending children, and then there's airbenders. It's really cool. And then he can't stay because Korra decides to go to Republic City without permission, and then Katara blesses her journey, and then Korra's a stowaway, but she can't buy anything. Then she beats up a gang. She goes to jail. Tenzin gets her out, you know, privilege, and then he kicks her out, and then, Three, you know, changes his mind, and then she gives two, her speech, and Amon accelerates his plans. One. That was pretty good, huh? Yeah, you, you honestly, like, you kind of nailed it. That might have been my best one ever. Ever. It's almost like you pre-wrote it. Did you pre-write it? Did you cheat? No. <laughs> you cheated? Oh, no. I would yeah. never do Just that. using the resources at your disposal, I guess. Yeah, who's to say that's cheating? Me. I think you got to do it off the top of the dome. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about this. Andrew, you you are welcome to attempt a 30-second recap. I mean, it's always fun to hear guests try. You don't have to do that, though. <laughs> Because most of our guests uh, say no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll do it. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it, but I'll, oh I'll do this it. This is great. I'm so excited for this. Thirty seconds on the clock. Andrew, on your mark, on get, your mark set, get set, go. go. The White Lotus uh, visits a home and says, "What's going on?" And Cora's like, "Yo, I'm the Avatar. Deal with it." And then we see her like many years later, and she's doing awesome stuff, but she only has three elements down. She's not good at spiritual stuff, so she needs Tenzin. Tenzin comes like, sorry, no dice. I'm in Republic City. Deal with it. She goes and deals with it with Kator's <laughs> blessing, goes to New Republic City and sees a lot of crazy stuff, and then ends up convincing uh, Tenzin to be part of her journey, and she's now uh, on the hero's path, three, blah, blah, blah. Two, one, yeah. Well done. well done. You also covered a thing uh, I, I missed, so that was uh, awesome. I skipped. I skipped some some important points though. In that, there's a lot of pre- that's a very hard thing to do. I've never tried to do that before. Thank you for like validating the difficulty of the 30 second recap. It's not easy. <laughs> no, no, that is not. No, yeah, yeah, that's hard. Way, way to go. Yeah. So, so let's jump in again and let's and let's highlight again continuity and what we were really looking through when we were kind of looking through this lens. The definition that I found was the unbroken or consistent existence or operation of something over a period of time um, was kind of the the opening definition and lens that I kind of went through. And again, it's tough because before that it was just like the 
do things in movies match up correctly? Was always <laughs> it was kind of like the lens that I have. Um, and so to think about it as this understanding of this existence existence of any anything throughout history or throughout a period of time. Um, and so we even when we're looking at kind of lifting up the legacy of the Avatar and what that really means, it, how that plays uh, in a, in a continuum. Um, and we open straight into that and I love the intro. I love the intro, like the 30 seconds, the first 30 seconds of like, mm-hmm. I'm core, I'm the avatar. You got to deal with it. Cause I feel like it's the creators kind of being like, yeah, Andrew, this, you this, nailed that by the way. Is, this is where we're at. Like we're just, we're here. You've got to, you've got to deal with this new person being the avatar because that's, that's the way that this legacy works. Um, and then even the next step of, almost calling out like fans but knowing that the reaction to Korra is going to be like a 50 50 reaction where katara's man she's powerful and then white lotus she needs to learn restraint and i feel like that's those are like that's the, the two, fandom that's the <laughs> fandom of people being like oh she's the best and people being like she's too cocky yeah. i don't like her so yeah. um but we get this understanding of this this legacy of the avatar and how it shifts from person to person and that they each can provide value and have obstacles that they need to overcome when it comes to supporting the people around them. And those obstacles are going to be different. Absolutely. And Korra's obstacles are so different from Aang's too. There's just a lot to be, to be said for, for Korra's beginning, just the first 30 seconds, first two minutes of the show. Um, But yeah. So, so Andrew, what's a, what's a moment of continuity that you noticed? Well, right away. I mean, there is, Okay, so just confession. I have watched Avatar The Last Airbender one time, and it was a life-changing experience for me. But I did it in, like, I don't know, like 2014? So it's been six years or seven years, and I it's been staying with me. So I can't recite it as well as I'd love to. And I've never watched Korra before, but in preparation for talking to you guys, I, I just binged the, the first season, and that's all I have seen um, in talking to you both. And so I, I'm in love with it. So I just want us to sort of... Just state that out to all the people who are listening as like an apology that I am not as well versed as you are most likely. So, uh, so if I say something ignorant, call me out on it on Twitter uh, at Andrew Slack. I guess you <laughs> know, just be like, "Yo, you don't know what you're talking about." But um, uh, and I will agree probably. But the the first thing, you know, there's the opening sequence, obviously that that, that we see a continuous kind of theme. You know the the the, the announcement the announcement of the elements the power of the elements, and uh, I want to I want to speak to that in a moment, but to sort of speak to a more like um, maybe banal uh, version of of continuity, I was I experienced a little shock uh, when I started watching it, that it's like often when you see a series that is set, I mean Ang is dead. Uh, uh, the, 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 the other, most of the heroes from the first story are dead. I mean, Zuko, uh, uh, is, 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 um, not, uh, uh, Iroh, uh, is, is dead. Like all of these people that I came to love, they are dead. Uh, but Katara is not dead. And there was something kind of jolting to me about seeing her as an old woman when I just knew her as a very young woman. Uh, and, and that was a very, that was a little startling. Um, and to know that she had this whole life and she has kids who are old, who have kids, um, it, it brought up the kind of feelings that, that I, I think I, I felt in watching uh, The Force Awakens um, when, when we see 
um, Princess Le Leia um, as older, and uh, there's just been a whole life that's been lived and a whole set of new problems and new things that have happened and wonderful things that have happened. And most of those things I won't know about, I can only imagine. So, so that right away just felt really uh, deep and powerful. And there was just something really powerful about seeing these elders um, in the White Lotus who are holding um, uh, Korra back, but then Katara with, with her independence streak is, is pushing her for, forward. And uh, that felt like an amazing um, passing of the baton. Yeah, well, and it goes into what Katara says later in the episode, too, where it's one of the things I really appreciate about Katara in this episode is when she, when Korra's like, I have to leave, she's like, I know you do. And she just essentially delegates to the younger generation saying there it's it is time for for those of us in the in this older generation to to delegate to let go. Uh, for the sake of continuity, for the sake of like knowing what is best for the future is letting go of me taking charge and giving people a chance to do what she did when she was young, right? And I just, I love the way you kind of spoke to this this shock value of seeing Katara as old because what I see there is when we are are in relationship with people and I very much believe that we were in relationship with Katara when we watched Avatar The Last Airbender mm -hmm. that all of a sudden it's like there's a there's a there's a gap in the in the story that we like i was i felt so close to you and then you disappeared and now you're you're older than i am and I, how did that happen <laughs> because we haven't had the opportunity i feel like it'd be different if we were friends and then i had been at the same age katara was when i watched it like there would be less of a continuity error, if you will. But instead seeing that gap is, is it's kind of jolting. I agree. I mean, it's, I love, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Andrew. No, please. You go ahead. I no, please. I think for me is uh, <laughs> one of the things I love about this specific moment is how much it mirrors Katara's grandmother sending her off yes. the first time. Yes. Um, and so it does, it's, it still shows that legacy and connection through time but also says, like, this is the start of a different story. But, like, it doesn't mean that the values and things that are still here don't still exist. It's just maybe not going to be the way you expect it to be. And so I really love that moment of Katara sending off Korra because um, it just it felt like the start of Avatar again, and it just felt like there was a lot of connection there. Yeah, that, that, that almost reminds me of a piece. It's almost like a piece of music that has a similar refrain, similar notes that they're playing, but they're playing it differently. Uh, and and uh, and that's that's how life works. I mean, it's, to speak to the jolting stuff, I, I'm 41, and I I experience myself sometimes. I mean, 41 is not is not particularly old, but it's certainly not particularly young. And so, you know, I look in the mirror, and I sometimes uh, very much recognize myself, and other times I I don't. Um, when I was actually I experienced that when I was like 17, I didn't necessarily recognize myself because I, you know, some part of me felt like, why am I not four anymore? Why am I not three? It doesn't, you know, I, I, I sometimes, I don't know if you've had this experience, um, but just like, there are times where I don't really remember why I am in a different version of myself because it seems like I should be in a, like, I'll just remember something so deeply that it will feel like I'm still in that moment. I'm still five or I'm still eight or, or whatever that age is. And it becomes, yeah. it's very disorienting. 
to know that I'm a different age. Um, and it takes a lot of work for as, as I'm getting older to, and, and faith and trust and, and some degree of patience when I see people making mistakes, but maybe I don't know, maybe they're not mistakes, um, to, 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 to hand over the torch and the baton to younger generations while also understanding well, what is the baton that I'm holding. Uh, and that, that, yeah. that process of aging is, is something that we must go through and that is not easy. So Katara, I mean, in, I mean, very much in the spirit of water bending is going with the flow. And, um, yeah, and she, that's so true. she's allowing for that. And then to speak to that, that concept of the flow of, of um, the elements and continuity in general, this is this entire world, the, 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 the spiritual uh, system behind this world is, is based in, in a very, very deep reverence for continuity. You know, we have Tenzin talking about mm. that there's a season to everything. I mean, certainly in, in Western theological uh, traditions, you know, we have uh, to everything a season um, uh, in, in, uh, in the Judeo-Christian um, Islamic tradition that, you know, that, is, that is cited. And then, um, but there's, there also is just this earth, air, water, fire, like this idea of bringing together the four elements in a circle. Uh, we're not dealing with a show that has a worldview of a square. The worldview is a circle. Um, and and it's really important to respect that uh, that we're dealing with a text that is based in circles, and that the that yes. there's a lot more to say about that, of course. But so when I think when I'm thinking about continuity, I'm thinking about the power of a circle, and that any point in that circle is connected to every other point in that circle. So if I'm being 41, I could mourn. Um, uh, being 17, but I can also recognize that somewhere I am still 17 and I am still a older age than I currently am. And I also am currently dead and currently not born. Like all of the things that have ever happened and will happen in the time continuum that I'm part of um, are all connected to each other in that circle. Yeah, that really sheds light on something for me as as I think about what, what you're talking about. And I, I, what I'm really focused on is this the continuity of the air nation in this that we see in this episode, right? We see because Aang was the last airbender, right? And he has had a family with Katara and Tenzin is an airbender. And now we see his children and we see a bunch of airbenders now that we see the air nation growing and becoming. And at one point that that circle almost came to an end, right? And yet we were blessed with this this continuity of seeing the biological continuity of those that can bend the element of air preserving a, an entire culture and i just i find that really compelling to think about like what we see later in the in the series is just the burden that it puts on tenzin to be responsible for an entire nation of mm. airbenders and what i what i love is that we get to see that but it also gives us hope because we know that it's a circle and we'll see it continue on and we see we have our entire history and we also have our entire future ahead of us so i thought that was a really neat thing that you just lifted up so i appreciate that one of the other things that i really enjoyed about what you're saying is this idea almost of the passing of the baton and what that means and i think in this in this show we're going to see a lot of things arise whether it's the rise of the equalist and um these movements that happen that 
seem like they come out of nowhere, but we know that that's not how continuums work. That, that, that things don't just arrive out of nothing. That it that it evolves and stems from things that have been underlying. But when we're talking about these movements that are growing, this idea around like, yes, I fought and saved the world when I was 12 years old. I can't do that anymore. I can be supportive of it. I can find ways to be an ally to that, but I can't be the one leading this fight. And I need to let people do that so that they can continue the good work and find ways to be supportive in it without being the center of it. And I think that that's a really cool moment for Katara as she's passing that baton. Absolutely. So there is, there is something really, you know, striking about this, this notion of Katara, uh, handing over the baton to, to a new leader. What you're saying there is like, there is such an act of leadership in doing that. And, and the leadership that I think we're called to do, um, and that the show is calling us to do, uh, the, the, is, is to, uh, that to be a leader is to go with the elements, to go with the cycle of life. Um, and when we see the counter to that, um, uh, those who are afraid to do that, you know, we see uh, Fire Lord, Fire Lord uh, Ozai, or Oza, am I saying his name right? Yeah, you're, that's exactly okay. right. You're okay, good. Fire Lord Oz, Ozai is, you know, he, he is freezing on things. He doesn't, he, he, he only wants himself to be in charge. He only wants, he wants to be in control. You can't be in charge of a circle. It's impossible. It is impossible to be in charge of a circle. That's fascinating. So this is, there is a- That's so interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, no, continue. please. Yeah, I, I just, there, there's a whole theme of that, not only within uh, this world, but in other, in other uh, myths as well. I mean, we see this with Palpatine and Star Wars. We see this with Voldemort in, in Harry Potter, who, who literally names himself, uh, you know, Voldemort in French means to flee from death. I mean, these are characters yeah. who, who, who make a choice that uh, they don't, they, they, they see themselves as so separate from the continuity of life. And in doing that, they go to war with life. And there's an inevitability, it's almost fatalist, that they're going to lose because you cannot defeat the infinite circle because you are not outside of it. Even if you think you are, you've rendered yourself insignificant um, by trying to be overly significant. Katara obviously intuitively understands that, that there is more to the world than just her. Normally those who fight so hard to make it all about them um, are, don't, don't really feel like they're very important and, and need to, to, to feel like they need to fill that, that gap. So, so this is a major theme um, in, in this series, I, I think, and and then so many of the the series and myths that we that we love. Yeah, no, that's so like there's so much there. I, like I I feel like we could do a whole series on that concept. That's <laughs> there's so much really neat information there that is really fascinating. And I think it's interesting to that how we'll see that from the villains of Korra too. How we'll see that from Amon, and how we'll see that from the other villains that we'll see later in the series as well. Um, it, but like, really it's interesting to think about because one of the things you lifted up was this, this leadership from Katara that I find really fascinating. And John Maxwell is a uh, pretty significant author in the realm of leadership and leadership development. And one of the, his kind of tenets for uh, leadership is that if you, if you, if someone can do something at least 80% as well as you can, that is when you should delegate it. Uh, because it frees you to do other things, uh, to, to lift your vision higher and your scope wider. But also, it makes sure that you're training the next generation. And 
I think that's a, an interesting like rule to kind of consider is if, if someone can do it 80% as well as you can, mm. that, there, that means there's 20%. There's a lot of mistakes that can happen in 20%. Like if you listen to a music and put one mistake in it, it, sound, it, can, it can ruin the piece of music and that's just 1% of the music, right? Um, so it's just, it's really fascinating to think about like what, what that looks like and being willing to delegate, being willing to accept that people will make mistakes. And I think that's exactly what the leadership that you're referencing from Katara. I do want to point us in another direction though. I want to point away. Yeah. I want to kind of lift up a few things. You know what they say about pointing though? Uh, no, you got more fingers pointing back at yourself. <laughs> no, I'm using <laughs> all five fingers to point. You point yeah. with your, you're a whole hand pointer. No, nah, yeah, I'm, I'm pointing with my, 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 I'm gesturing. Maybe that's the better term. Gesticulating. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I really appreciate about this episode is that we see Cora go through a whole wide range of growth. Uh, from the from being very from small, being a baby, from being a baby, just to, a cute little tummy too, like the little bit, the little pudgy oh, baby. Oh, it's perfect. It's I, I have. I wanted like, more time with baby Cora. Baby Cora I is too powerful. Was, yeah, maybe maybe that could be. <laughs> I've found baby Cora delightful. Yeah, that could be a show like ba- like a Muppet Baby. It's a baby Cora. There's like a whole room there. I'm sure there's like a chibi yeah, version yeah. somewhere out there. Um, could easily be a spinoff though for Nick Jr. Oh, I'm so into it. Um. Okay, sorry, that's uh, we digress. But so one of the things I love about Cora's growth in this episode is that Cora's privilege is showing, um, and gets checked, and it's and it's pretty blatant. And I, I want to kind of give it give us some chance to talk about this and talk about it through a sense of continuity. So, like w- one of the ways that I connected it was she's been sheltered her entire life. As as soon as they found out that she was the Avatar, the White Lotus kind of came in and like guarded her and protected her and kept her in the South Pole and made sure she never left. And this kind of sheltered life doesn't necessarily lead to wisdom. And that's that's kind of my 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 question is like like she she confronts the fact that there is, you know, an equalist movement that doesn't people who don't like bending. She's grown up being praised for her bending her entire life and then comes to meet somebody for the first time that says bending is not okay. And she's like, what? And then she meets uh, homeless people in Republic city, finds out that there's a, a lot of people that are homeless in Republic city. She finds out that she like, Oh, needs money to pay for things. She gets arrested. She get like, there's a lot that happens to her. And so I'm just, I'm interested to hear what y'all's thoughts are and how that kind of relates to to continuity cuz my i think my question is that does, is it the natural progression of sheltering a child is the natural continuity of that ignorance and if so what's the what's the you know remedy mm. to it yes <laughs> tell, and, tell and, me more and the remedy <laughs> not shelter them in fact, remedy is just to fire hose information at them nonstop. Um, <laughs> is it? No, it's not. But I, I, you're right, right? She gets her privilege checked throughout this episode. There's a very. It points back to uh, the time that Aang goes to Amashu for the first time after waking up That's from the iceberg. That's exactly what I wrote. And like thrashing the town, even yes. though they were just like trying to have fun. And she's trying to do good, but thrashes the town in the process. And and how much damage does she cause? But she's like, give me a pat on the back. I caught these three bad guys quote unquote um and and so you just you get these moments of anytime you are experiencing new cultures new people new learnings it's gonna be you're gonna be better for it 
Um, and it's not necessarily her fault, right? Like, she's the White Lotus kept her hidden. Um, and so it says a lot about how processing and working through i think i th almost think of it as like when we try to keep kids from watching mm. certain things and there's sure there's some things that are just like mm, there's a lot of language or a lot of sex and that's sure. not what we're we don't need to be like showing all of that to children but i also think of it as the idea of you know being told i i went I grew up in a baptist church and you know harry potter was not allowed because you know, the witchcraft they loved lord of the rings for the gandalf like like, oh, no, it's cool. He's a wizard, but he died and came back three days later. So that's allegorical. So that's fine. But, you know, so, <laughs> so like I had a lot of problems with even as like a fifth grader. But this idea of like you're not you don't get access to this because we think it might harm you versus this idea of like, let's talk through this. Let's process this. But this is information you're going to receive. Let's work through it together versus this like, nope, just don't. It doesn't exist. It's yeah. not a thing. So, Andrew, I have a question for you. Like in your work with social organizing and social justice work, I, I'm, I'm curious how this relates because I want to kind of confront the continuity of this 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 question. Um, so there's this this holistic reverence for the avatar. Right. And. Uh, this like there's this continuity of the avatar being this sacred being in this universe, right? And like Aang was very revered. He was literally thought to be no more avatar, right? And so he kind of destroyed property, paid no real price, and was kind of let free because of his position as the avatar. And then we see it happen mm. again with Korra. She was literally like broke and like wrecked this this street and was arrested. But even still, because of the privilege that she has, and through Tenzin, was allowed to leave. And essentially, it was equ equating it to almost bail, paid bail, because he said, I will pay for the damages. And I I'm curious, like, where is the line between, you know, forgiveness for, you know, people who ultimately are going to make a huge difference <laughs> in the reality of this world, but also holding her accountable and holding Aang accountable even for, for these times where they their acts of destruction are just kind of like, a, not ignored, but just released from them. And so like what, the continuity of allowing that to continue to happen seems a little dirty to me. What are Damn, your thoughts on that? Damn, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm struggling with the question. I mean, this is a question to struggle with. This is a tough question. Um, the i mean this is this is tough i mean this is i i think the problem that i have though with with the the way like i'm i'm totally in agreement about the the points on privilege i don't know if and this may be a, a criticism i have and i don't know that because i haven't does the show do a good enough job of presenting this like to me like watching this uh you know cora going after the triad like it felt pretty justified. I mean, they were they, they were using force against the, 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 the. This was a situation where it did feel like, okay, yeah, she destroyed property, but like, she should have called the police. It seems like it's pretty obvious that they weren't going to come in time. She was she was helping someone. So so like I I get the 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 point on. Um, I I don't know because there's there is a question there and there's a question to me about like the equalist cause and I don't know if the season does an adequate job of really showing like, and maybe the season does, uh, the series does, but I don't know if the season does because it, it ends up 
kind of folding into the story about Amon and like all of these problems with his worldview. But like, what about the legitimate points that he has? And I don't know if the show goes deep enough into that. So I'm not sure how to answer that honoring the text of the show. Does that, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. I, I think for me, as I think about applying that question to our lives, I think about who are we privileging in our own lives that just because mm. of their history and the way that it has always quote been done, who are, who is receiving that privilege that we, we need, like, what are the systems that we need to put in place to ensure that that does not continue to happen? And so like, I'm thinking specifically of, you know, sure. race right here. So white people <laughs> and white privilege, for instance, like where we, like, I think there's a state that just said that there were, I'm, I forget which one, but there's no bail now allowed in a, a state, which is no paid bail. And what that does is it like, is addressing a social justice issue for the first time in a long, long time around that category. And I just think about like the history of being able to pay for things and being able to utilize money and power as, as privilege and how we, we need to create systems and operations that confront that, yes. that continuity error. Right. Because to me, that is a continuity yes. error, right? Not necessarily something that is like, going from orange to purple soda, but rather a continuity error in the fact that we've allowed it to continue is an issue. <laughs> so the topic of privilege is, it's something that I, you know, look, I'm, I am a white man who is, I have not always been economically privileged, but right now I am. And I am cisgender and I am uh, heterosexual and there are just so many blind spots that I have, things that I take for granted, things that I do, things that I can get away with that other people don't do, insensitivities that I commit without even knowing I commit them. Or when I do know, not feeling a high enough regard for that. That is something like, just because I name myself an activist doesn't give me license to not explore that privilege. In fact, it, it invites me to explore it even more. So I think that's that's an absolute necessity. And but exploring one's privilege, exploring one's uh, a place in the world is a verb, not a noun. It's it's not a static thing. It's it's something we have to continue mm. uh, around. And in fact, there there are so many ways that we can view privilege. Um, uh, but but I I think from the point of, I'm I'm going to tackle this question um, in in a in a in a, in a perhaps a different way through the prism of continuity, um, just because of, of, of that being the theme, um, with the, the caveat that, that as an individual, this is a constant challenge for me and it is very difficult for me to look at where I've made missteps in my life and to mourn that and to- <laughs> Same. And to, yeah, to mourn <laughs> that and to, to own it and to, to own a kind of shame and to be okay with shame um, and to, to not mistake shame for, for badness, that there's some kind of inherent badness in me. I, I think that's where there's a kind of defensiveness and backlash that we see in people to understand that we're all, we're, we're all people. Yeah. And, and some of us are given uh, certain privileges that we did not earn. And it's so important that we, that we own that fact uh, without letting the guilt around that paralyze us that is, and, and, and to freeze us. 
And on that note, I kind of want to, and I don't, I don't feel great about talking, like lecturing people about privilege right now, mainly because I am exploring it myself. I am on my own journey with that. Uh, but I, 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 I yeah, I so I, I want to just, uh, um, yeah, it's that's it's a very it's a very humbling topic, and I I get nervous speaking about it in public simply because I'm wrestling with it so much at the, at this moment. No, I love that you lift that up because I often on this podcast have after the episode is finished, I have been like I really feel like weird about having that conversation because I am not an expert, right? I don't have all the information, and whenever we speak about things that we that are bigger than us. I feel like that becomes something where I'm like, oh, I'm pretty insecure here. So like, I just, I think it's worth saying that honoring that insecurity is a part of this journey where we talk yeah. about tough stuff, right? I mean, Sunshine, do you feel similarly? Like, I mean, absolutely. I think there's things that we're always going to get wrong and experiences that we don't have. And so I, I really do appreciate when I'm able to learn from any empty, uh, empathetic missteps that might happen yeah. or some subtle acts of exclusion that might happen. Um, wanting to learn and, and challenge myself and, and be called out on that because if someone is willing to call me out on a subtle act of inclusion like that, that means that person, there's a lot of care there. Yeah. That that Feedback is, that is, is a function of respect. And that is something that a person does not have to give me. Um, but if they're giving me the benefit of the doubt and calling me out on that, it is my responsibility to do my best to mm. not make that subtle act of uh, exclusion again, mm. um, and to learn and to grow from that and, and really push to make sure I'm not putting up walls, getting defensive, but taking that as a growth point. Yeah. And, and one of the things I, I really value about this is it's when people start talking about like the humility that you're offering us, Andrew, is something that we really value. It's because it's it's that lack of humility that is what drives people like Ozai. It's what drives, quote, the villains, right? It's what drives the people who um, aren't able to put themselves in other people's shoes. And, and it's interesting to think about, like, how resentment builds us into th that feeling. Because, like, the Equalist Movement, for instance, is a, is a continuation of of a growing disparity between benders and non-benders. It didn't emerge with just with Amon. Amon is is capitalizing on the feeling that has been present for years and growing over the years and becoming more, creating more and more disparity. And we see that growth in the comics. I don't want to spoil the comic story because hopefully we'll do them eventually, but we'll get to them. Like this that where we are in Korra is a direct response to what has happened in the comics and what happened in Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that just honoring the fact that growing disparity and continued alienation of of different groups uh, is what leads to <laughs> is what leads to this. T totally. And I and I think it's important that you're bringing up the equalist movement, too, because you we see like. So there's. Uh, I mean, it would be an understatement to suggest that Amon is problematic. Right. I mean, like, he's <laughs> right. So, so, and yet the grievances that he's calling on around privilege seem very apparent that, that people without uh, bending privilege um, have, have been suffering and they have real grievances. So, and, and, and there's this story. And, and so we see that in the world, by the way, like we see 
we see movements all the time get co-opted by those who are highly manipulative and have their own personal dramas and traumas that they're playing out onto the world stage. Um, a, a great example of that in fiction mm. is the character of the narrator slash Tyler Durden in Fight Club. He, he is playing out his unconscious trauma about his dad leaving him. That's a whole other story. We can go into that another time, but like, that that's like and and and, and he's and, and there are all of these men um who uh mainly working class men who are attracted to him in fight club and, and in project mayhem and we see this again and again i mean the, in in the united states the, the the white working class and white poor populations in our country are are generally a very oppressed population but in that oppression there is a mm -hmm. wish to on a tribal level to, to there's a fear of being socially displaced by an other and normally that other is is um or people of color and when you have that kind of fear you're, you're so easily manipulated by those who are acting in bad faith and so with the kkk we it's the white citizens council is in many ways pulling the strings of the kkk and that's not to remove agency of the kkk's many evils of which there are it is an indescribable thing but i i i when we see the the MAGA movement and we see Donald Trump and the, 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 these Trump supporters and all of that, we are in, on, on some basic level seeing a kind of like what Amman is doing, uh, what, what Hitler did, you know, of taking people who are afraid, who have privileges, but also have their own set of oppressions that are, that are, that are real as well, and then, and then manipulating them. I, I, th I sometimes think about in, in Belfast uh, during the... Um, what, what we weirdly call the Troubles during the, the war in Northern Ireland, um, uh, there were many Protestant men in, in, on, on docks in, in Belfast who were being treated terribly, even though they had the privilege over Catholic uh, uh, people. And, and these guys would go to the foreman and say that they're going to go on strike. And he would say, go ahead, because I got all those Catholics out there that would kill to, to be paid less than you're being paid. So what happens? They're not, they don't go on strike and they resent the Catholics. This is the Hunger Games. This is the Hunger yeah. Games, right? And so, so yeah. what, what Amman is capitalizing on here is a real grievance. And then he's mutating that into something that becomes perverse. And, um, and we see that with his, with his brother, who's yes. now leading a movement against that and is taking these draconian measures that are insane, that are absolutely insane. So this is there is a whole world of, of thinking there. And I want to, but I want to pivot to a different point, although I want to give you a chance to both the chance to respond to that. Let's do it. Um, uh, uh, because they're, they're, yeah. Okay, cool. I feel great. It's, this is related. This is related. Go ahead. To, yeah. I don't feel great about all those things existing, but I feel good about the conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right. Feel, well, yes, right. Thank say, you. Say, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Say, 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 clear that up. And I say that again, like I am still a student of, of um, my privilege. I am still a student of, of this, this world that we live in that is just so utterly complicated and just my own ignorances. I love that language. Um, so, so I want to just sort of take us, sort of veer back because we are now talking about our world and, and sort of start with this basic principle that I have, um, which is that fantasy is not an escape from our world. It is an invitation to go deeper into it. So when we're, 
Mm-hmm. That is the yes, premise right. of the podcast. Right. Yeah, that right. is why we exist. So, yeah, I love so we're, that. We're, That's we're, so we're good. We're exploring these things. We're exploring ourselves. This is our stories are the metaphysical mirror by which we see our, our ourselves, our relationships, our inner lives, our spiritual lives, our sociological, uh, political lives, all of that. And and so it's so useful. It's so important to 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 explore these stories. They're such gems and jewels. And so to go to the story of continuity and privilege here that I'm seeing uh, uh, with, with, um, with Cora is it's really, I, I'm struck by the fact that she's in the South Pole, which is a place of frozenness um, in the story and hopefully will remain a place of frozenness in our world. Um, uh, but frozenness is, is really important because she's frozen. You know, the White Lotus are keeping her frozen. They think they're keeping her safe. Um, but they're 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 not allowing her to grow, whereas Katara, true to form as a waterbender, wants to see her go with the flow, and she sees that the flow is necessary in this episode for her to go to Republic City. And there's a kind of uh, parable here yeah. to me about like Siddhartha Gautama's journey um, in becoming the Buddha, uh, where where he is shielded by his father and and not able to see any of the pain and suffering in the world. He's kept in a, in a very walled environment. And it's only when he leaves and escapes that he finds out that there are there is there are versions of suffering he was not aware of, um, and and what a shock yeah. it is for Katara, uh, sorry for, for for Cora, what a shock it is for Cora to hear the first equalist denounce her for bending. It 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 it, it is like it goes against every story she's ever heard her entire life. She has been told how important. Yeah benders are how important she is it doesn't make it legitimately makes no sense to her it, it, there is no one i can imagine that in hearing this for the first time if you were raised by cora but but, but like cora um in this frozen environment that the symbolism of being frozen that you could ever imagine that there's another model of reality this is a jolting uh, difficult yeah. experience it, it, just very hard uh, and I think that's that's something that many people experience when they learn when we learn about privilege. It's like, but I didn't mean to do any harm. I didn't I didn't write this. I didn't I didn't mean yes. to. Yes. Um, and yes. and and there's and there's a differentiation. It's like, well, yeah, you didn't mean to do harm, and in fact, you yourself did it. But there's a larger story at play that you're playing into, and 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 so, and so then there is this yeah. other question, which is um, the project that I've dedicated myself to. Um, that, that is sort of behind the scenes, I call imagine better stories. And we need to imagine better stories. If we don't, the world will imagine worse stories. And uh, to speak to continuity, um, one of my heroes uh, is Brian Stevenson at the uh, the Equal Just um, uh, at EGI. Uh, yes, a, a and, worthy uh, choice. He, he speaks a lot about um, just the way in which uh, now I th- this was it was very powerful me, for me to hear him talk about um, uh, in in, a, in an interview with uh, with Ezra Klein. Ezra is is Jewish, um, and I am Jewish. And Ezra was saying how he was cu- he was doing a story in um, I don't remember why he was doing a story, but in in Berlin, and um, he had a he had an anxiety attack, a panic attack, and he didn't understand why he was having it, and he just and he realized. Oh, it's because I heard a loud German voice in German um, uh, that was that was that was delivering orders, uh, just instructions. But it brought up this feeling of every movie he had seen uh, growing up on the Holocaust and the pain of this. 
just the 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 fear that someone was trying to kill him as a Jew. Um, the, the, and yeah. and uh, and and then he said, but that was just like that was just an experience I had. What is it like to be African American, uh, to be a black person in the U.S. and and to be driving on Robert E. Lee Highway? Um, the, the 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 it's not just yeah. an it's not only erasing, it is abusive. You go through Germany, you know. Ezra had that experience. I had that when I was in Germany a bit, but I was so amazed by Germany. I was so amazed walking around Berlin and the neighborhood that I was staying in a couple of years ago, that there were plaques in the sidewalk that names the the home in front of the home. And these are people who live in homes, who walk out of their homes and they see these plaques that mark that a Jewish person lived here, a family lived here, and they were taken out and all of their things were taken out and their lives were shattered. Many of them were killed after being slaves um, in, in concentration camps, uh, making the, the Third Reich powerful uh, through their, their, their enslavement. Germany has done something that is unbelievable, yeah. which is that it owns its shame. Not perfectly, no country does this perfectly. But Stevenson's point here is that Germany has taken very, very decisive steps to do that. South Africa, for all its many flaws, has taken steps to do that. Rwanda, again, for all its many flaws, has taken steps to look at its own history of the 1994 genocide, really own that. Um, the United States, and it's something we desperately need. The United States, in the United yes, States. has done a horrible job. I mean, like pitiful job at this. The idea that there is no Adolf Hitler statue in Germany outside of maybe uh, 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 like within a museum or a context. There's nothing that celebrates Adolf Hitler in in Germany, at least that's state sanctioned. Um, there, there's no highways, autobahns, there's yeah. nothing named after Himmler or Goebbels or any of that kind of thing. So why is it even close to permissible to have Robert E. Lee Highway? That is insane. And the, the, the feelings that Ezra was experiencing being in Berlin and hearing that German voice, but yet, but he was actually in a society that owned that. And if he went up to a German person and told them, they would know enough to understand why he might feel that. Um, not all German people, but enough, a critical yeah. mass. And within the US, we don't have that. We don't have that for people of color. We are telling, we are imagining worse stories, truly and actively. So we need to be doing a better job there. And one of the things, sorry, one of the things that you're, there's so much you're, you're lifting up here that is like, oh my goodness, I want to read all the books, especially Brian Stevenson's. I have yet to read it, but I've seen several of his talks, but... Um, one of the things I, I really appreciate about all of this is you're just addressing so many different things that 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 Cora in and of itself over its four seasons gives light to. It addresses these things, right? It addresses so much. And one of the things like there are so many things we didn't have a chance to talk about in this episode because of of time, but like we didn't get a chance to talk about like the the growing of the police force mm. and how what that police force looks like and Toff becoming a a chief police chief officer and then her daughter becoming a chief a police chief after her we didn't talk about several things that deserve a lot of time and energy but unfortunately we are damn it we are running damn out it. Of it i we i are. i wanted to, I, lift I wanted up to on make another point on, damn it go ahead <laughs> but <if we're... laughs> no there's and and lifting up because we see we see the statues the statues are focused heavily in this first episode of ang and and of toff and 
we see the meaning that they hold for Tenzin and Korra as they're walking by. But to also put that in a perspective of what does that mean to live in a city where you have this massive Aang statue if you feel like Benders have been taking advantage of you or harming you. Or of Toph when the police force uses metal bending as a form of, like, a, the use of force is not acceptable when it comes to the amount of bending metal bending they do to apprehend their Yes, their yes. And, and, and just right. on that, yeah, I, I'm— And I, so this— I, if we're if, if, well, well, just, just yeah, go ahead because for for me it's the power of just like what do those statues mean? Like what do they hold and the meaning they hold when it comes to the legacy that's being brought up over this exactly. continuum of and we, time. We have a so so we have a task to do now about imagining better stories in 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 the U.S. Uh, and 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 that 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 in Cora's world they have a task to do that. Obviously, uh, Aman is not just coming out of thin air, and Donald Trump's. Uh, uh, propaganda. I'm going to get a little dicey here, but I think it's important to, to make this point. His nativism, all of the, the the insane things that he has done over the course of the last four years, that doesn't come out of nowhere. I mean, this is uh, this. Th these are forces with, yeah, and they're forces that that start in the founding of the U.S. We are the home of the, uh, we are the uh, the home of the free and the land of the slave, and we've we've been competing with that dynamic this entire time uh, of the U.S.'s history. We are. I mean, the America that I believe in is the America that, as Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, calls it in Hamilton, America, you great unfinished symphony. Um, so what we need to what we need to, to sort mm. of look at here is how slavery mutates like a many-headed many hydra. It mutates into Jim Crow. And Jim Crow, by the time that Jim Crow officially ends in 1965 uh, with the Civil Rights Act, by, by 1968, um, the uh, Republican uh, uh, political strategist Lee Atwater said that we do not need to use the N-word anymore. Yeah. When he developed the Southern strategy uh, and built the Republican Party in its modern form, um, he said we do not need we do not need to say the N-word when we can simply say tax cuts. And white people, white working class people, frankly, needed. Uh, social programs, but they will subconsciously understand that we're still saying the N-word. So all of this talk of tax cuts are signals. They are dog whistles. Um, we have a whole party that was built in, in, in the late 60s on the continuation of slavery, continuing into, Jim's, in, in, into Jim Crow, continuing into now. That is the continuity that we are we are talking about. So this idea of of uh, of these statues that are that are up, and we need to honor these great generals who were defending the institution of slavery. No, not okay. The notion that we have July Fourth, but we don't we don't honor the other Independence Day of Juneteenth of June nineteenth uh, that that celebrates the end of slavery and mourning that it ever existed. We need to have that. We need to have uh, a kind of ritual where we connect Juneteenth. To July Fourth, they're only uh, two weeks apart, mm. uh, and 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 think about it as the days yeah. of liberation. Think about it as that America is always uh, becoming. So this is the process of imagining better stories because we don't want a world where 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 our children are shocked by like, oh wait, I have like we don't need to freeze them, we don't need to shame them. We can own the shame collectively without putting it on people individually. Here, here. There's a huge difference there. And Cora having that wake-up call, it's really important yeah. when she is shocked. But she should have been instructed about this earlier. She should have been told these stories. She should have understood that. It's part of her responsibility in the role that she has. It's part of all of our responsibilities 
as Americans, as human beings, um, to really understand the context that we are working in and the, the story that we are trying to make um, uh, in, into our society. That dream of Dr. King can only be fulfilled or moved towards unless we own um, our past. The past, the present, and the future are all connected. So here, here. in terms of the continuity here, that's, that's that continuity. And ultimately, when we need um, our help, a, fr a friend of mine likes to talk about how, yes, we carry the trauma of our ancestors, but we also carry their resilience. And of course, in Korra, we see that, that resilience. We mm. see that when, when Korra, um, by the end of this season, is, um, is needing help and, uh, and is broken and is looking into the abyss and thinking of the unimaginable, of, of, of presumably of suicide, and that, that's when Aang comes to her after she resists the suicide, after she cries and, and Aang appears and she thinks it's, it's Tenzin and she shoos him away and she says, Aang, and, and, and he says, when we hit our lowest point, we are open to the greatest change. It's not only that moment, it's the moment that all of a sudden, all of the avatars of the past are there with her. There is the continuity, is that we are standing on the shoulders of giants of so many people that have come before us and of where those people came from. Uh, we are life. We are life. You know, I look into myself and my body and yeah. I am made up of, you are made up of, all the people listening to this are made up of the most resilient forms of life. Yes, we are in a sixth mass extinction, but think about that. The life that we are right now has survived five mass extinctions. We are resilient. And before that, it, we, we came from stardust. This is, this is ancient, it's real, it is similar to Aang and all the past avatars. We, are, we come from the sun, we come from many suns. This is science and it's spiritual at the same time. And it's so important that we tell that story uh, uh, both in our political history and the biological and geological and, 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 and astronomical one. Um, to really ground ourselves in that. So yeah. sorry for my, my rant. I just wanted to get all that in and maybe that was too much. No, that's a that's a perfect place for us to wrap and that's a perfect place for us to wrap this this portion. Um, we are going to take a quick break and then we will jump back in with our devotion and our gratitude for the end of the episode. And so we'll get to talk about that. So we'll be right back. Awesome, everyone. Welcome back to this next couple of segments. We have a nice musical interlude for everyone. But for now, what I want to do is, since this is the first episode of the new season, for those of you who might just be joining us for the first time, what we do at the end of our episode is we do a thing called a devotion. And in that devotion, what we do is we combine one of the elements from the Avatar cycle with the lens we discussed. And what we try to do with that is set an intention for the coming week, a goal, an intention, something to think about, and we want to just help ourselves grow based off of the conversation we had. And so for this week, we are starting the Avatar cycle with water. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about water and continuity and figure out how we can set a goal. So Sunshine, tell me about your your intention, your your goal for the coming week. Yeah, for me, I think about water as, as this, like this ultimate filtration system and somehow in its original form, in a certain place down the river, it can be contaminated, but over time it, Ooh, it cleans and, and works its way until you have this this pure drinkable water. Um, and it, how it's this this kind of solvent that can can filter through things, and so I, I almost kind of viewed the, our previous conversation through that lens of how do I take what is 
dirty might not be the, 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 the trouble past the history of America, the things that I still need to learn about and use myself as a way to, to learn, filter, process, and, and then be supportive of what we can do to help clean that uh, and, and create drinkable water. In the I future. love that. And so that's kind of my intention is what can I do to continue to learn about the past so that we can make it a cleaner future? Mm, no, I think that's beautiful. That's actually pretty similar to mine. I, when Andrew was talking earlier about this, this the the circle and how there really is no beginning and how it never ends and the power of the circle, I was thinking about, it, it, well, that kind of lifted my eyes to like the water cycle, right? And so how water transitions from the ocean to the sky to the clouds and then rains and then drops from snow, et cetera, the cycle. And I... I find that really comforting because even though, as as you say, this water might get tainted at some point, when it evaporates, it becomes more of its pure water self. And right, but at the same time, sometimes you know it will rain, and because of the air and the atmosphere, it has nothing to do with the water itself. It has to do with the atmosphere and the outside contributors, right? But it will turn into acid rain when it when it falls. And there's a lot of ways that this this water can be uh contaminated if you will and so what i'm kind of doing is thinking about in a similar vein to you like observing where the water is where is the point in the cycle at which the water is being contaminated and what do i need to do to address that and what are the steps that i can take as one individual in a very large world to ask that question and to start making act taking action to to do that so what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to marinate on that this week i'm going to be really thinking about it and i'm going to think about what are the things that i need to do in order to make that happen so that's my intention uh andrew we want to invite you to do the same do you, do you feel able and willing to to join us in this yeah, practice i uh i'm feeling a flood right now of of of, of uh what i want well yeah <laughs> but um <laughs> uh it's very corny <sighs> uh I'm um <laughs> I'm thinking of uh how in <clears throat> we're we're uh you know we're talking about um you know history here and uh, my my friend Valerie Core who wrote this amazing book um that people should should check out it's called See No Stranger it's just so eye opening and she she talks about um how like mm. if you look at history as a linear project then American history has certainly gone backwards, just so backwards in, in, in horrible ways. But if you look at it as um, as labor, as an act of labor, then you see it differently because uh, labor, uh, when, when we're being mm. born, uh, it works in a series of, of contractions and expansions. Uh, so when I, when I and, and so in that process, like we're, we're right on schedule. We're, we're like, we are deeply uh, being born right now. And uh, Valerie talks, you know, she asks about the darkness that we're in, in this, in these times uh, with the pandemic and disinformation and, and white, white supremacy uh, uh, becoming more powerful and also, you know, all that and asks, um, are, is this darkness, the darkness of the tomb or the darkness of the womb? So, so this, mm. if it is the darkness of the womb, um, if, if we allow it to be, then we have to embrace labor. So as I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about how labor begins with the water, we would call it a woman's water breaking, and um, and and I think I think America's water broke, and I think that we're we're uh, we're experiencing that right now. I, I happen to have a loved one who has COVID right now, 
And, and as, as scary as that is, I want to see all of this as part of a process of, of, uh, of labor, um, that all of our lives are part of this process of, of uh, becoming born. And even when it looks like we're taking three steps backwards, it's actually not that simple. It, it's, it's all part of a fluid, watering, uh, flowing process uh, of, of, uh, of, of ourselves uh, being born and, and uh, helping to give birth to a, to a new world. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is, I love the imagery there. I, I want that book now. Um, what is the title? It's called See No Stranger. And it's uh, by Val- Valerie Kaur. Uh, uh, she has a TED talk. You can look her up. Uh, it's, she has a called the, uh, about revolutionary love. If you put that into YouTube, revolutionary love. And uh, it is, it is just incredible. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm, I'm. That is my, that is my new goal. I changing it. I want to read that. That's my new goal. <laughs> um, okay, so that kind of brings us to our final segment, which is of gratitude. And frankly, it's my favorite segment. I know I shouldn't have favorites, but it is what it is. I like favorites. Um, so we'll start it off then. Go ahead and, and jump in. Who are you being grateful for this uh, this episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just just a reminder for again, a first time listeners that are joining us for Cora what we do for this segment is we pick a character from the episode that we are grateful for. Who is someone that has taught us something, who has uh, given us a new perspective, who has just been really cool, you really appreciate them, whatever it may be, something that has lifted the feeling of gratitude for you. And so for, for me, y'all, I'm picking Tenzin. Tenzin over the course of this this whole series, but also especially in this episode, we see Tenzin willing to change his mind. The, the capacity to change and to make a decision and then change your mind is something that, frankly, I, I'm not always great at. I'm somewhat stubborn, but I, I see Tenzin constantly evaluating his decisions and making choices around what like he was sending Cora away, then he's like, no, I'm gonna change my mind. I want you to stay. Like I and just the fact that he's constantly evaluating and thinking makes me really grateful for Tenzin. So that's that's my choice. I'm choosing Tenzin. Sunshine, what about you? I'm going Katara. Good choice. Yeah, tell me I th- more. I think so. <laughs> oh, I, I gotta I gotta dive into that a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, I I think I love the strength that she provides. I, I love the wisdom that she provides. I love that she's willing to challenge the White Lotus. Um, and their perceptions and the mm. way that they um, have ideas around Cora. And I, and I love the way that she's able to kind of say, Cora, you need to go. This is, this is a fight that you need to, to be a part of and, and one that you need to take. And um, I just appreciate her being that sound wisdom. And I love the way that she greets Tenzin and, and the family when they show up to the, to the South Pole. And I just everything about Katara in this, in this episode is one that I'm just like, uh, the person I hope that I am at the age of I'm nine, whatever, <laughs> yeah. however, she, however old she is. Um, but a lot of gratitude for Katara. Andrew, what about you? I, I'm just going to go with the title character of Cora. And I, I, uh, yeah. Awesome <laughs> and, to, and to speak to the continuity here, it's like, what a change from Aang. Like just, um, she also is the avatar and she is an other facet of the avatar. Ang, Ang had this kind of kindness, humility, innocence to him, um, and and so does Cora, uh, but in a very different way, in this unapologetically fierce way. Uh, she needs that air that you know that that Ang mm. has, that that 
these spiritual qualities that Aang has so naturally, I like that she needs it. It reminds me to aspects of, of, of myself and, and of so many people that I admire. She's, she's a, she's a, I mean, no pun intended. She's a force of nature. She's, you know, I, I am the, I'm the avatar deal with it. She is unapologetically ready. Even when she's not ready, she's just going to jump into it. And yeah, yeah, you need to grow. You need to be humble and, and you need, you need all of that, but you also need that unapologetic force of like, I am going to get this done. I even have to kick down every door. Even if I have to say, say no to my, 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 uh, my future mentor Tenzin, I'm going to say, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm going to do this. And it's that sort of just like mm. relentless love for learning and life and pushing that is, um, while flawed, is something that that is a force that we all need inside of us uh, to, to learn from. I love it. Yeah, this is just what a rich series. I can't wait to get to the rest of it. What a rich episode this was. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. This has just been incredible. I For everyone listening, we are grateful you've joined us for Cora. Hopefully you'll continue listening and but know that you can also find more content on BNB underscore pod. And that's on Instagram, Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, TikTok. We have all the things. Support us on Patreon at BNB underscore pod. Yeah, get yourself some bonus episodes. Bonus episodes, maybe a little Facebook group, live episodes sometimes. That's right. Yeah, join us. We want to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Send us a recording of your 30-second recap or thoughts on the episode or a moment that you thought Avatar was super cool and something you really learned, any of the above, keep it under two minutes, but send it to thearcofe at gmail.com. Andrew, where can we find all of your stuff? Where's all the stuff that if we want to learn more about you? Uh, you can, can go to uh, savesantashome.us for my my project, uh, uh, Save Santa's Home. I, I work at an organization that I'm not representing here, but I work there, uh, Avaz. You can go to avaz.org to check us out, A-V-A-A-Z.org. Find me on Twitter at Andrew Slack. Uh, and I do a lot of writing publicly on Facebook, a lot of just stream of consciousness. Uh, Facebook.com slash Andrew Craig Slack. Uh, and uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you all. I'm just really, I'm really excited to be to be witnessing and uh, part of this this transition as you move into Cora and, and thanking um, the audience here, the, this community you have. For, for making such an incredible set of conversations happen and, and come into life. So, so thank you both. Yeah. Thank you. We're grateful for our, our, our listeners and supporters as well. They Absolutely. make all the difference. This has been a wonderful episode. I'm sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt and this has been bending, not breaking. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.